Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This episode of Blue Shirt Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. You can support this podcast on patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Breakaway, where you can get access to BSBOTs, our Discord channel, and much more. You support the show for the price of a coffee or a beer, whatever you want to give to Greg and I. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but we appreciate it because it's how we keep the show going every week. But this week, we have Molly Walker on the show to talk about Philip Heedle and the start for the New York Rangers, the good, the bad, and much, much more. So without further ado, let's get to Mark Messier. Here's the show. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier. And you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Blue Shirts Breakaway fans, welcome to the week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg Kaplan, say hello. I'm just saying, now, this week, it's a good time for everyone to become Patreon subscribers to Blue Shirts Breakaway, because I'm 11-2 and two on my NFL picks this week, right? Okay, congratulations. First of all, nice for the plug. Thank you. <laughs> um, where do we even want to start? With my NFL picks, which right, I... Right, 11-2, let's, let's, let's go through well, let's, let's only talk about the good this week. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, if we're going to talk about the bad, we start with Bob Melvin, because I'm offended. Yeah, we can start there. I know this is a baseball show. You can't fucking bunt. There was one out, Ryan. There was one out. You have to swing, you dummies. Oh, my God. Anyway, that's it. That's all I want to talk about that. Now we can talk about the shitty hockey team that apparently won't make the playoffs. Yeah, well, so the Rangers are done. Um, The the dynasty is now broken up. Obviously, as you know, you've lost. Mm. You went to overtime versus the Sharks, and you got a point, and that was a disaster. And then the Columbus Blue Jackets come in on a a wonky 5 p.m. Sunday night game, and they beat the brakes off you. Uh, So it's over now. That's it. We, We had a good run. Uh, I hear Connor Bedard is pretty good. Right. So, this is a good draft. I don't know if yeah. you've heard. Yeah. So we have two first-round picks. I say we go get a couple more. And it's only going to get worse for Rangerland because, boy, do we have a back-to-back versus the Islanders and the Avalanche. Woo! Now, here's so, the thing. Here's the thing, though, I, if we want to be serious for a second. We can be serious. I've said it once. I'll say it again. There's a very good chance the Islanders suck. I expect the Rangers to be heavily in both of these games. Uh, I do think they're playing down to their opponents in a lot of ways. But I think they're also playing up to their opponents in a lot of ways. That is correct. Whereas when the Avalanche come here on Tuesday night to the MSG, I, I expect a Ranger team without Philip Heedle, who we discussed with Molly Walker later, is going to be out for a few weeks to really take it to the Avalanche in a lot of ways. Did you just uh, drop something over there, Big Squeak? Yeah, we did just on? drop stuff in the house. It's okay. Oh, my God. It's all good. It's all, but we're okay. It's not like the house is on fire or anything. So that's mm. good. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> that's an inside joke yeah we're gonna so, <laughs> we're, yeah remind someone remind us to text molly to make sure the house isn't still burning down for sure uh so the rangers did make me want to drink bleach this week so that's good but 
I'm going to go to a doctor. I'm going to get my stomach pumped, and I'm ready to roll. Ready for Avalanche. I'm ready for the Islanders. And it's weird to have two back-to-backs in a row because they play they play the back-to-back Avalanche Islanders, and then they go Stars Coyotes. Uh, and the Coyotes are going to be in front of, like, 3,000 Ranger fans. So that's very fun. Well, it's, it's, it's just the NHL, we, we've bemoaned it many times before. We'll bemoan it many times again. The schedule is just nonsensical where the Rangers, um, I mean, you see the Filipino news, and you realize he's going to be out a week and that's jarring and it's tough and it's unfortunate, but it's like, he just, because the NHL schedule is so dumb, he just picked the wrong week. Like if he was out the last, say he got injured on Monday and he was out a week, he would have missed two games. He would have missed the, the Wednesday night game and the um, Sunday game. That's it. But the end the NHL schedule, which doesn't make any sense because people can't balance checkbooks. Apparently this week, he's going to miss four games because two of them are back to backs. It's, it doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to sit here and try to... I think Philip Hill is going to be out a little longer than a week. Oh, just my personal God, yeah. opinion. God, yeah. Just, I'd, I'd say it's October 24th. I honestly would be surprised I was thinking Thanksgiving. before Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. And yeah. I know I've done this before in the past, so people will call me out, and very rightfully so, where I've said an injury is going to take... For Ryan Carpenter, for example, I said, I can't imagine him playing in the next two, three weeks. Well, he came back in like two games, and uh, his... I guess he was all stitched up and he was all good. It's but in, nonsensical, but yes. I agree. Uh, but with the heedle injury, had a concussion last year. Don't want to assume it's a concussion again. Hoping it's not. If it is, I can't imagine he's back before Thanksgiving. Coming back, you've, we've seen in sports recently, especially in the NFL, coming back soon from a concussion and getting hit again can be devastating in a lot of ways. Uh, and I imagine he's very bummed out. Of course, how could he not be? But the medical staff can't let him back on the onto the ice. And the Rangers, will, they have some center depth. Like Barkley Goodrow, it's kind of why you sign him for this reason. He, he can do this. He can play third-line center. He's played second-line second line right wing. He's played first-line right wing. He can do a lot. He's a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, so we the Rangers talk, will have to hold. We talk about this a lot with Molly, and I'm, I'll try not to step on everything we said there. But first and foremost, it is a fucking bummer. Because it is... No other way around it. That they're... The... the Reason why I haven't been concerned about the Rangers after six games is because so many individual players are having such great starts to the season. You could say Artemi Panarin. You could say Mika Zibanejad. You could say Kapokako and Alexei Lafreniere for sure. But to me, what made Phil Heedle, what he was doing so much more, in, like it, it, it had such a brighter spotlight for me because we expect the top six to be great. And it's wonderful that Kako and Lafreniere have slid in without any hesitation and without any hiccups, and they've been phenomenal to start the year. But having a player like Hedl on your third line to make that bottom six dangerous, to make teams unable to take their foot, they have to keep their foot pedal to the metal because you throw another line out there. And even even if he's playing with guys we don't necessarily think can generate a lot of offense like Goodrow and Blay or VC, any of those guys. Heedle himself was playing hero ball on that third line to a point where he was bullying teams. And he was able to do more of that because teams seemingly are so exhausted from having to try to keep up with that top six that they think they can take a break for even a second. And Heedle's like, no, fuck you. I'm Phil Heedle. I'm going to I'm going to dangle and I'm going to charge to the net. The I'm going to make the life of is unfair. Like Philip Hedl versus the other team's third line center line is typically unfair in, in the Rangers advantage. Yeah. And it, it's even, 
the thing that really is frustrating, and again, it's not anybody's fault, it's just the way the game works sometimes, is finally Hedl was going to be playing with a player who has an offensive mindset like him. And it was going to, we would hope, unleash something in Vitaly Kravtsov's game as well, where here's another highly touted prospect that we've been waiting for this breakout, and you're going to pair him while it won't be with Artemi Panarin like we thought it would to start the year. He was getting an inferno Hedl to play off of, and take a lot of the pressure off his shoulders to have to immediately produce because Hedo was just going to be a black hole for offense in a good way. And he was going to eat a lot of that oxygen. And now Kravtsov, pressure is going to be on him because the Rangers are still going to have to generate offense in their bottom six. And he is the only guy that seemingly has that in his game, but he's not going to be able to do it with, a playmaker next to him like Heedle. He's going to have to find a way to do it like Heedle was doing it. And I think that's, frankly, what made what Heedle was doing so impressive because he was doing it with plebs, Ryan. Guys that we like in a bottom six, that we think can keep the boat afloat in the bottom six. I don't need Barclay Goodrow to score 20 goals. I don't need Jimmy VC to put 25 points on the board. I don't need Sammy Blay to take four shots a game. Those guys are here to serve a very specific role and purpose for this team. And you have the luxury of them playing those roles because you have a guy like Phil Heedle who can do so much other things that you don't have to start asking players to do something they can't do. But now we're, we're inching closer to a point where we're unfortunately going to have to ask people to do something they can't do. We are. We unfortunately are going to have to do that. And I, I do wonder if the Rangers go back to... Not a style of hockey that they were playing last year, but sort of relying on Igor in the power play for a couple weeks. Like, they could win games like that very easily. They know how to do that. They don't need the third line to do anything but be a defensive powerhouse and maybe get some extra offense from Kravtsov because I don't know who else is going to provide offense down there. Not really a good row offensive guy. I don't really see it with Sammy Blay. VC can do it, but it's usually empty, empty calories. Ryan Carpenter, fine. Ryan Reeves isn't going to do it. So it's really going to be, how can the top six carry the offense and can the defense be strong enough to support Igor in winning some games, which they know how to do. They did it all last year. Yeah, and they did it last year with less of a top six than they're going to have this year. But with Heedle out, there's just a clear line in the sand where it's just two Ranger teams. There's this high-octane, high-offense, everything, no-holds-barred top six. And then there's this bottom six where you're just hoping for them to be defensively responsible and give the top six enough time to catch their breath without having to give up a goal or two. And it's, it's, that's a tough way to win. It is, but. It is a little bit like, I don't want to say unfair to Vitaly Kravtsov. It's because the NHL is unfair inherently, but Vitaly Kravtsov is not a defensive player. He's, he's, he's known for his offensive creation, his prowess his he's picked at that top level because he had those kind of skills. And now he's going to be asked to be a, a third-line grinder, and he's going to have to do that for the Rangers to win games. Well, because- I, you, I, if you want to take a really positive approach to this, um, you can think back to the teams that Kravtsov played with at Traktar, where they were terrible. They were they awful. They were. And he had nobody to help him offensively, so he had to do it all on his own. So you can make an argument that he's at least had experience in a situation where he might have to do this again. Of course, the difference is he's not playing against guys in the KHL. Like, I, he's going to have to try. The Avalanche third line is a unit. It is impressive. It is not your run-of-the-mill second division third line 
that better teams can feast on. He's going to have to, he's going to be asked to do something against a really talented unit that he's not going to have the support to do everything we dream of him doing. And it, that's just part of it that these things happen. It's, it's that's sports to a certain extent where you wish you get to play the Colorado avalanche at fall strength, but sometimes you're just not going to, I mean, look at last year, Igor was hurt. You had to start Adam Huska against the avalanche last year. Oh, and boy, did they take advantage of that? Yeah. So are the Rangers better prepared this time of the year than they were last year to play the avalanche at home? Absolutely. You, this is, this is part of the journey where you have to figure out how to win highly contested games when you aren't at 100%. And this is a big moment for Kravtsov where he is going to be the number one reason the Rangers are able to produce offense in their bottom six. Could we? Could Barclay Goodrow come in here and there and score a goal? Sure. Do we expect Jimmy Vesey to put a couple points on the board? Sure. Can Ryan Carpenter find his way into a goal? I honestly don't know. But we know that it's going to have to start, in theory, with Vitaly Kravtsov. And quite frankly, I got to say, the more we talk about it, the more I can kind of at least lie to myself enough to say, I'd rather him face this test now as opposed to January or February. Like, sure, it's really hard for him to be introduced into this season like this. It's not ideal. We did not expect or want this to be his introduction. However, I'd much rather it come in October when you can figure out if it's doable than have it come in January or February when you've already made your plans and now whatever you have is what needs to work. I totally agree. And 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 by January we'll kind of know where the metro is. I'm not really worried about. It. Right now the Flyers are 4 and 2. If yeah, I told you that before the, the, the season, you would have shot the, me. The Flyers are 4-2, and two, and yet they've still benched Kevin Hayes and Travis Konechny in a third period. That's incredible. So I, Good for Torts, man. He really does get it out of them. That guy is a maniac. But I, he, he gets it out of them for a month, and then people get really tired really quick. So I'm, I'm not at all worried. It's been six games, Ryan. The, quite frankly, I know it's a reference point for me in my head because it's just like I remember it so clearly. The Rangers were 6-3-3. Three, and three through 12 games last year, they look better this year than they did last year through half those games. I I have so few concerns with this Ranger team. There are obviously things that need to be worked on and adjusted. Um, First and foremost, Yaro Halak needing to play like the goalie we know he's capable of being. But I am so far from concerned just because the Rangers have gotten one of their last four points. These these stretches, I got news for you, going to happen again. At some point this season. Happens to every team. The pe- the Penguins have come out gangbusters. And I do not expect them to hold that. The Avalanche the lost to the year. Kraken. Like, what are you going to do? The Leafs lost to the Coyotes. Turns what out it's, rude. it's a professional hockey league and any team could beat any team. What? No, I, I know. I know. sure? It's crazy. Check your so, notes. Just like soccer, any team could beat any team. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? Right, guys? Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's why Southampton got a point against the number one team in the league. I totally agree. That's right. That's why Liverpool lost to Nottingham Forest. So it's totally fine. <laughs> I want to kill myself. Um, so... hey, listen, I'm not saying you should, but if you wanted to, just let me know. Yeah, I'll hit you up. We don't promote that on this podcast. In case everybody's wondering, call help. Uh, all right. The New York Rangers in general for this next week have, a, have two back-to-backs. They are going to be faced with some adversity, and yet... Zach Jones uh, will likely be benched for Libra Hayek. Where do we stand on this? Are we okay with it? I kind of am. Is that sickening? I kind of am. Well, I know why you are. The, it's, it's the 
the theory behind the action that we talked about last week, where asking a rookie defenseman who you are already expecting to carry a heavy load, like we, we talked about this after the Minnesota game when they benched him, uh, or I don't even like to say benched. They rested him against the Jets because Kaprizov and Zuccarello were on against Schneider and Jones more than any other line Minnesota was throwing at him. And that was Minnesota's strategy. That's a and little on Gallant as well. He doesn't do that no, well. No, no. The home team gets last changed. Like, at some point, a good coach should be doing that. And if you have an advantage being the home manager, and Minnesota was using that to their advantage. I Yeah, would I like Gallant to maybe try to find a way around it in different ways? Sure, but sometimes you just have to tip cap. Also, Ryan... I'm fine with how it worked. They they play fine. That top line did not dominate them like you would have expected them to do. So even if Gallant wasn't playing to his matchups the best of his abilities, he he didn't need to. The kids were doing their job. That's true. It was fine. But again, like I was fine with Gallant then sitting Jones the next night being like, hey, this is a very long season. This is your first full calendar year in the NHL. I am not going to burn you out early. So I am going to... Pull back on you. You played great. None of this is performance-based. You played wonderfully, but I'm pulling back on you to make sure your legs stay under you and at no point you get burnt out. I am great with that theory. I am great with doing that, uh, especially on back-to-backs. The problem here is, is again, if you're going to do it, you need to have a guy waiting in the wings that's better than Lieber Hayek. That's what it comes down to. It has nothing to do with Jones. And we talked about this with Molly as well, where... You know, Jones makes a very noticeable error in the Blue Jackets game, and the thought immediately creeps into your mind, be like, "Oh God, that he might he might have to sit a game because of that, because he might have everything to everything says quote, he's going to learn the lesson." Everything. Well, but that's fine. I'm I, again, if they never want to play Jones on a back to back in his entire rookie year until we get to March, great. That is one way to make sure a young player is fresh for games where you absolutely need him. My problem again is that. You, if you want to do this and you want to follow this strategy, you can't have a guy that slots into your lineup that's Lieber Hayek. You have to have a better seventh defenseman. You need to upgrade that position. Allowing it's, you well, to get to this point is is the great crime. Th- here. That's why the trade deadline is not going to be a winger. It might oh, be it, it, it might be a winger, but it'll probably be like. A very cheap winger and a very cheap defenseman. Well, the the trade deadline, I can't say this enough. The trade deadline is going to be, we are going to fill the hole that is currently injured. And we don't know what that injury is. They're obviously not going to make a move right now to bring in anyone for Heedle. As as great as Heedle was playing, you'd hope this team is good enough and you have guys in Hartford that you trust enough to cover the holes for yeah, the next... DC will just or, come back in and they're not calling anybody up. That's yeah, it. You, you hope, you hope the, 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 the stucco you have is good enough to get you through the next couple of weeks. And quite frankly, it should be. Drury has enough bodies here and in Hartford where there should be enough here to survive for a short stretch of the regular season. But the Rangers will use that salary cap. If a winger gets hurt, it's going to be a winger. If a center gets hurt, it's going to be a center. And if a defenseman gets hurt, you bet your fucking ass it's going to be a defenseman. And if nobody gets hurt, then you have to bring a player in for the weakest area of your team. And the Rangers have no cover defensively. None. So they will bring in, I promise you, Ryan, they are bringing in a defenseman at some point this year. But that that's my frustration with this point in the season where there were guys you could have gotten on the cheap for eight hundred for the 800000 you are paying Lieber Hayek. 
you could have gotten a perfectly fine seventh defenseman where this strategy of not playing Jones on back-to-backs could be utilized and could be utilized well. And honestly, well enough where maybe you do this with Adam Fox at some point. Maybe you do this with Keandre Miller at some point. Maybe you save Ryan Lindgren a game at some point. If you had simply better planned who your seventh swing defenseman was going to be. But that the only the only reason why I have a problem with this strategy is not because I think the strategy is wrong. It's because the second player you're utilizing in this rotation is just flat out bad. He's not good. Justin Braun, 1.8 cap hit this year. Oh, no, not even. I'm looking, I'm trying to find it right now. Uh, no, yeah, this year, 1.8. Uh, it's just a, a player like that to bring in instead of Lieber Hayek would have been made a lot of sense. Like, I like your idea of resting even Adam Fox. We've talked about this for years where Adam Fox looked gassed at the end of the last year because he plays like 30 minutes a night. And even though he's young, uh, that's a lot of fucking minutes. So to, to, to bring in someone that's a competent defenseman, I think is the way they're going to lean towards the trade deadline. But you yeah. have a lot of time before then. Five I months. know, but how many how many times have you and I specifically had the conversation about the only sport that we care a guy plays all 82 games. A million or, times. It's million. just the NHL. We're completely fine with NBA stars playing 74 games or baseball stars playing even 150 games. Like, we're fine. And even then, like most of those guys, Aaron Judge doesn't play the outfield every day. He gets DH spots. Pete Alonso doesn't play first base every day. He gets DH assignments. Francisco Lindor doesn't play shortstop every day. He gets DH assignments. Like, there are... There are mechanisms in every other sport to get your guys like a half day off. And in hockey, it's the one sport where we freak out where a guy's out of the lineup. But I, I'm worried about having the best out of Zach Jones in April, May, and June. That's what I need to focus on. So if not playing him in back-to-backs in October helps me guarantee that he will be at his best in April, May, and June, that's a perfect strategy. I would like to do it more. My only complaint is, if you want to utilize that strategy, which I support, you need to cover yourself better than Lieber Hayek. It's that simple. Let's do just really, really quick five-star questions, then we'll get to Molly. Uh, this is from Agar. If you want to leave a five-star question, by the way, join, join our Patreon, Discord channel, five-star questions, leave them on the show. Uh, Agar, if I only say this half-jokingly, but with this power play and whatnot, what if, can Mika get 50 in 50? Uh, it's slowed down significantly since you asked this question, but I do think Mika Zabinajad can have, if can have a year where he reaches 90 points, I really wouldn't be surprised. I, I, he might be a 50-goal year. What I, wouldn't shock I, me. I, I think the better question here is, what's a goal number, like a reasonable goal, goal number Mika reaches where you're like, oh, actually, that's a little disappointing. Like, if he only gets to 35. This is way better. Yeah, I, I, would, say, uh, I would say 27, where I'm like, Mika, only 27? I honestly think with Mika, if he got to 35 and stopped, I'd be like, really, that's it? That, that kind of feels low, doesn't it? It's nice to say that, isn't it? It's it, this is a wonderful problem to have, by the way. Where I am, I I am expecting a player to produce so much on a power play unit. Where if he scored 35, 35 goals, that used to be like this holy grail number for the Rangers that we never expected a human being to reach. If Miko only scored thirty five goals, it'd be like, what happened? He got hurt. Uh, Bronx Harlem Hockey asks if Keontae Miller has a career year, can we afford him next year? And the answer is yes. Yes, we. Uh, we there are, again, there are... The NHL un- is messed up when it comes to labor. I would just put it this way. It's totally <laughs> messed up. The restrictive free agency is, a, is like... It's a joke. You could pretty much force someone to sign whatever money you throw at them. It's really if you want them to sign with you later and piss them off. But a lot of players take discounts. 
Lafreniere being not on the power play is going to suppress his... I know we're talking about Miller. But it's going to suppress his contract because people get paid off of points. That's what they get paid off of. It's what the NHL still does. It's what they're going to do with Miller, too. So Miller will get a nice, fat contract eventually. Five years, some number. But... I don't know, low six, something like that. When the, yeah, the, the cap but, might go up four million dollars as well. So not not just that. I mean, the very easy. The Rangers have three million dollars that they can just free at any time, and that's called Ryan Lindgren. And I do think that will happen in order to pay a guy like Keandre Miller. Like there, people think people only think the the kids will be the ones that won't be here, or someone like Kreider won't be here, or Truba won't be here because their numbers are higher. What it means is the guys in the middle are going to get squeezed, and Ryan Lindgren just happens to be a guy in the middle. He does, and there is a, if you go follow Hockey Stat Miner, maybe he'll retweet it, I don't know. He has a projection sometime in the last month where he projects out the next year where you can keep everybody and still be okay. And there might be four extra million dollars next year. So that would be really good for the teams. Yeah, I don't worry yourself with what next summer is going to look like until we get to next summer. That probably is my best recommendation. Miller would have to score with like 30 goals for him to be out of our sights. That would not happen. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I got, I don't, yeah, I, I don't even know because even then it's just like, really though? Like the NHL just, it's a very stupid league. They don't like, they don't pay him. They're not going to pay him unless he has points. It's crazy. He's a defender, but they're not going to do that. The the craziest part, I was listening to 32 thoughts today and Rasmus Dahlin has been amazing to start the year. And they're having this Norris conversation about him. And Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman, two very smart men who I l- love listening to talk about hockey, they are talking about how his point total is going to be the reason he wins the Norris. It's like, that's really not what the award is. I'm really tired of it. It's like it's Roman not. Yossi was not the best defenseman in the NHL last year. I got you. top three. Sorry. No, he had a lot of points. It doesn't mean he's a good defenseman. Jesus Christ. Kurt, he's very good. Doesn't mean he's the best. Yeah. See, uh, Nuggies, we're not going to answer this question, but we'll do a little bit of a good job with it. Can you guys explain how the salary cap works? This is a full podcast. Uh, I get that it's the max you can pay your players, but after seeing Pierre Lebrun's tweet about escrow balance and stuff, I'm more confused. We've talked about this in the past on BSBOTs. Uh, I'd recommend going to Cap Friendly and checking and reading it out a little bit. Also, Puckpedia does a really great breakdown on some of this stuff. We even but had the, Puckpedia on, and he had a great breakdown of this stuff. If you want to go back and listen to that, it's deep awesome. Deep in our archives. I, it's, this, it's this simple. Essentially, the salary cap in the NHL is the most archaic of all salary caps, where, like, the NFL, it's a moving scale. The NBA might as well not exist. Uh, but the NHL salary cap, it's a hard number, and it's – a whole bunch of fugazi to make sure the owners aren't actually paying the talent what they're worth. That's the salary cap in a nutshell. We are pro get that bag, and the NHL is big time pro. Only owners get that bag. Oh, yeah. Uh, and even then, the owners can't even maximize their bag. These owners are fucking stupid. It's incredible. Why don't they let people on our show? Uh, Back to 27. <laughs> what bridge does Greg jump off if Georgie wins a cup with the abs this year? Thank you. I, it's me, by the way. Yeah, and, Ryan, Ryan jumps. I'm fine. I'm like, my life goes on because of oh, thing- there's, there's another bridge I'll jump off of. It's called This Weekend. Um, <laughs> what, what, where's the This Weekend bridge? Can you tell me where that is? Uh, yeah, it's uh, the, I think it's the Ben Franklin in the Philadelphia. No, okay. Nice. Well, first of all, I'm not jumping. Second of all, I'm so happy <laughs> you brought us to this part of the podcast because it's time for Greg to raise a militia live on the air. Guys, <laughs> never been more pro Second Amendment in my entire life, and we need to start marching. It is a couple days trek down to Philadelphia from wherever you are, and we are all going to meet at the fucking Rocky statue, and we're going to stop this World Series from happening. Enough <laughs> is fucking enough. <laughs> 
Even I, Yankee uh, fans, come join us. You don't want the Astros winning. They're fucking cheaters. I and do gonna, live down here, as you know. Gonna, well, we can also kill Ryan. This is great. <laughs> I Three do birds, here. one stone. I will be going out for Halloween, I have to tell you. Uh, it's also going to be the second night of the World Series, so I think people will not be uh, – they'll be in the hospital. A lot well, of people. The, so game two at least will be in Houston. Did you see what ticket prices were for the series? No. Are they nuts? Because Yankee Stadium was $17. It, it, was, it was hilarious because you can clearly – like without knowing who the home and the road teams were, you can clearly tell that it was like games one and two were in Houston and game six and seven will be in Houston. Because ticket prices for Houston, I mean, there were still a lot. It was like – Five hundred to six hundred dollars, and I was like, "Oh, that's yeah, that's lot. reasonable for you, World Series." When yeah, and then you look yeah. at Philly; it's twelve hundred dollars. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> hey, man, listen, Philly sports fans—they love their teams. I'm just all I'm saying is the National League is—it's the division of champions that also happens to include the Mets. Which, uh, yeah, which also was like one of the worst divisions ever two years ago. But also, now, uh, at the same time, you know what, Yankee fans? Eat my fucking asshole. The Mets have been in the World <laughs> Series more recently than you. Why don't you get fucking good once in a while, you fucking sorry bitches? What? You're going to cry? You're going to cry? Did your, did your team not make that Wild Terries again? Listen, Boom, you fucking you. you Bryce Harper, you should have signed him. He's you could have signed Harper or Machado, and I heard both those guys were in the NLCS. Ah. Uh. Fun times. Uh, this is from Brettley. For the for a fun one this time, had the mm. Rangers been able to win a Stanley Cup in either 2015 or last year, which Game 7 overtime go, go call following a three games to one comeback would have been the potential Mateau, Mateau, Mateau in terms of iconicness? Step uh, on or it would be Step on, by the way. It's not Panarin. Sorry. It's well, step on. It's just because the, it has to match the, the syllables, but it has to be it has to be a player that ridiculous, too. So it couldn't have been Step on. Couldn't have even been Broussard. It would have had to be someone like... Uh, I think he's just talking about iconicness, like which one would be the bigger deal if it did happen. Um, the Panarin goal is, isn't like... It's kind of magic, but the step-on goal is another level. Oh, yeah. I mean, the step-on goal is fucking... That, that's crack. It's earth-shattering. Yeah. And I like, think... Don't get me wrong. The Panarin goal against the Pittsburgh Penguins was awesome. Overtime goal, the whole thing. But... The way he did it was kind of like, did that go in? It was like a moment of hesitation comparatively. I know the Sam Rosen has the Rangers, Rangers, Rangers thing, but the step on goal is woo, wow. Well, not just that. You also have to take into consideration um, the Capital Series. While you expected the Rangers to win, it was really 50 50. Like the Capitals were a good enough team that if they had beaten the Rangers, you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. They, all those young players, they're in the like prime Ovechkin, prime Holtby. It's a really good fucking hockey team. And that Penguins team, it really shouldn't have had to get to seven games. So while you're happy you win and while it's iconic to win in overtime, like it's it's a little bit of a stain that it actually got to I know, Rangers point. should have won it in like five. Yeah, like it, the Capitals series, had the Rangers lost, you'd be like, man, that's another lost opportunity during a Hank year. But also it makes sense. It's a really good hockey team. The Penguin team kind of stunk. Like you were going up against uh, garbage men in goal. No, no offense, Louis Domingue, but also like a sandwich maker legendaire. Yeah, like is Hartford nice? But like the Hartford Wolfpack starting goalie is who the Rangers beat in the fucking playoffs last year. Like you, you start peeling back the layers. It's like why did how did it get to this point? What did we do here? This is kind of on us, right? I I agree. Final question. This is from David. Uh, re- record aside, how does it make you feel that Capo Caco is firmly the third best non goalie player so far this season? Uh, it feels really good, but I have to tell you, the 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 where's the points, boys? They're coming. Where are they at? Oh, They're yeah. coming. And so Kako's done very well so far. I'm super impressed with the way he's played. He's looked really great on that on that first line. Has to score. 
He has to produce. Well, otherwise, go, it's not going to happen. Let me tell you this question on its head a little bit. Who's the who's the second skater that's better than Kako so far this year? Oh, uh, Mika and Panarin. You sure you're putting Mika ahead of uh, Kako? I am. Yeah, I'm positive. Yeah. I think here's my argument. Cabo Kako very clearly playing above the standards in which I've set for him. He is exceeding them. He is acing this test and doing it in flying colors. He's acing it's it so hard. I've wanted the team for the next decade. I've seen enough. Like Kako, Kako's scoring a one, 125 so far on this test. I don't even know where he got the extra 25 points, but that's, that's how well he's acing his test. Now, Mika Zibanejad got a different test and a harder test, and he's doing it really well, but I think even he's like at a 96. Like, it's not a full 100 for Mika. Just Mika's had the start for Mika. I know, like, he has, he's had more opportunity, of course, in the power play. He's just been a, an so amazing like, player. I, if I if I were to judge players based on the expectations I had set for them before the season started. Kako is out returning his expectations. Yes, I'd I say agree. The, the three players for sure that I can say are playing above. I'll go four players playing at or above their expectation level. Like a 100 or better on their test. It's Panarin, Kako, Trocek, and Miller. Those are the four guys that I would say what I expected on opening night. They are doing all of that and more. Whereas Mika Zibanejad is simply doing all of that. Does that make sense? I'm not. It, it I'm, does make sense. I'm still choosing Mika Zibanejad at number two after Artemi Panarin, but I have Kako with firmly in the third spot as well. Is who's? I guess the better question here is like, I guess Hedl would probably I'd have to say is in that. Hedl Trocheck well. is the next two. Yeah, I. Uh, I'm trying to think of a player that like they're not doing it for me yet, and I'm a little like. I'm I'm out on Sammy Blay. I just don't. I get don't it. honestly like Blay VC Re, like Reeves. First of all, I just need him. Here's the thing: Would the Rangers have lost two in a row if Reeves is able to say Chesty releases against the Sharks? So we're all freaking out about this two-game losing streak. When really, what we have to say is one of these games was an oopsie daisy because Reeves couldn't open his mouth to say Chesty releases, and we lost. And then the other game, Chesty's not playing. So what's he going to say? Halak. Heels us <laughs> like what? What is he, he hasn't figured out what the word should be yet for Halak. He's not saying that. He's yeah. going to figure out what it's going to be, and then he and then Halak's going to start winning. But quite frankly, uh, like the Blaze, the VCs, the Carpenters, I don't have expectations for them. So like them, it's just pass fail. For like some the, reason, I like Ryan Carpenter. I don't know why. I, I don't know. You have a thing for twenty twos, don't you? I just like Ryan's big Ryan guy. <laughs> I see how it is. We got to we got to eliminate the Ryans. Yeah, this has been a lot. Um, all right, I think that's it. Let's go uh, transition over to Molly Walker, fun interview with her, and then uh, we'll see you guys next week. Transition. <laughs> and we're back with our first guest of the day. We have Molly Walker of the New York Post. Uh, Molly, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. How is are the you guys? <laughs> like, is, can I say that? <laughs> is what? The? Like, is the, uh, the Ohio State? Is that like, will I get sued for saying the New York Post? Um, I don't think so honestly i've never even thought of it that way you know what this would be a fantastic way for ryan to get sued ryan (laughs) i I wanted to be clear that it's ryan specifically and not me i am good i know the rules we have for a fucking reason all right um (laughs) let's get right into it there's uh the rangers start the season in hot fashion beat the lightning just get out there look great for the first couple games even with a one loss you're like all right i get it team's good and then all of a sudden 
Uh, two games in a row, the Rangers kind of poo-poo the bed, like earn a point in some way that they probably shouldn't. And then uh, a trap game versus the Columbus Blue Jackets where they really <laughs> don't play quite well after Philip Heedle gets hurt. What's the vibe in the locker room right now? What's the vibe? Is Gerard Gallant throwing, throwing <laughs> chairs? What's happening around there? No, no, and no. But wait, first of all, I saw you throw around the, the term trap game. I, I am unfamiliar. What is a trap game? A trap game is a game you're supposed to win. Oh, when, okay. When, when the other team is absolutely on a back-to-back. Well, yes. no, you're on an advantage. It, a trap game is you take your opponent so lightly because <laughs> you're thinking of the other opponent ahead of them. <laughs> so you're, all, all eyes are on the avalanche. So the Blue Jackets become this quote-unquote trap because you have overlooked them completely. That is a trap game. Okay, I, I see it. I just, if I'm going to be honest with you, I've never heard the phrase before in my life. Is that a weird thing? Like, is that... that is do weird. I, do I, th- media, yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why I've never heard that term before, but okay, I get it. And I, that's basically how I, what I wrote about. So <laughs> it's okay. But I mean, mood is, is fine. Mood, I, I mean, if you know Gerard Gallant, like he is not a panic button pusher at all like in any way shape or form so I feel like that kind of trickles down to the rest of the locker room and you know even after he rips them which he has a couple of times already so far this season at the end of it he'll be like but we'll get by it <laughs> you know that's that's how he'll punctuate it so I feel like that's that's kind of a, a mood that he's set in the locker room Molly I guess the first immediate question I have is one you, you you've touched on essentially already it's that it would be a little bit more concerning if they were actually panicking at mm-hmm. the six-game mark, right? Right. Like if Gallant was switching up the lines at like drastically, you know, throwing Lafreniere off the off the right wing of that second line, which he's been great there. There's been absolutely no reason to move him. Yeah, it would be a little bit more concerning. But I mean, I feel like after a year with Gallant, we we know that he is far from someone that, you know, makes a big deal about anything or, you know, is one to put, push the panic button. I'm not pushing the panic button just yet, but two <laughs> two starts from Halak on the backup goalie spot, two losses. I think the first game he played well last night, not so much. Uh, against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Some was his fault, some was not. Uh, he came out and admitted that. Has the team? Does the team just seem to like play different around him? Uh, like they used to play different in front of Hank, like back in the day when Henrik was here. For some reason, they just wouldn't score. Don't know what it was. Backup goal would come <laughs> in, they'd score six. Like, not a problem. Did you Have you noticed the team playing a little bit different in front of Halak? I think I think it's more so when they play in front of Shusterkin. I think that they are a little bit looser because they it's it's almost similar to the Henrik situation, but kind of not because they never really gave him support. But I I feel like they just always expect Shusterkin to stand on his head, so they do play a bit looser in front of Shusterkin. I think, which they've admitted in the past. You know, they've they've said that they can't rely on their goaltender as much as they did, especially last season. But I mean, otherwise, that that's the only thing that I notice in, in terms of how they play in front of the goalies. I don't think that they really play any differently in front of Halak. I I will give a lot of credit to Halak because he was extremely accountable. Um, it was written all over his face after the game, and it almost looked like he wanted to get it off his chest. Like, he was, you know, he came out, he was dressed, like, ready to go. Like, you know, he took a shower, collected himself. And he was prepared to fully be like, that was not my best night. You know, I got to be better. I fully just got outplayed. He wouldn't even comment on the team's game as a whole because all he wanted to do was speak to his own play. So, you know, as a member of the media, that's really all we can ever ask for. Um, So got to give him a shout out for that for sure. Molly, obviously the big takeaway 
if you want to not be in Panic City, like a certain portion <laughs> of Ranger Twitter is. A uh, it's large fil- portion. A, la- a large portion. I, Things I are know. okay. They're okay. <laughs> it, I don't know if it's just like the year we've been through with baseball, but I'm just so much more prepared to handle that part of things. But mm-hmm. either way, big storyline we have to talk about is the absence of Phil Heedle. He'll be out at least mm. a week, uh, at least four games. Now, on one hand, the reason why you have guys like Mika Zibanejad and Vincent Trocek is if you lose your third center, you're still very, very confident in the top six being able to perform. At the same time, boy, it's awfully hard to think of guys having better starts to the season than Phil Heedle was enjoying, and now he's going to be out of the lineup at least for a little bit of time here. Yeah, no, for sure. I think the main thing that the team has to worry about is that it just shortens their lineup. You know, when you have Goudreau playing on the third line, it just just shortens it a little bit. You know, I, I think that the Rangers are such a top-heavy lineup in general, and the good thing is that, that top six for a majority of the first six games has been producing pretty consistently. Um, so the fact that that's still intact is, is a really good thing, but it does kind of put a little bit more pressure on the, the top six, um, which can also be a blessing and a curse. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, in terms of Filipino, just a really, really tough go for the kid. I mean, he like you said, was just playing with so much more self-confidence and just so much, so much more sure of himself. And, and I just remember during the playoffs and anybody that listened to me at all through the playoffs off season, like I was gassing Heedle up way more than I, you know, probably should have. I really think that he is ready to break out, really ready to have a good year, um, especially after what he did in the playoffs. And, and he, he told me that he just, you know, he finally got a taste of, contributing to the team and what it felt like to finally feel like an integral member of the team basically and you know once he got a taste of that like he's just hungry for more of it and that's what we've seen play it on the ice here um and it it is tough um especially just because he's one of those guys that just can't seem to catch a break in terms of injuries he had a concussion last season in november and he's just had a couple of other unfortunate injuries during his tenure in New York. So I think it's just it's something that it is what it is. And it's just kind of a tough go for him. I, I feel for him. I really do. I do, too. And I want to just, you know, anybody who says he's injury prone, that's crazy. He's not. I mean, this is like a freak injury where yeah. someone skates into him from behind. It just gets hit at a weird angle. He falls. <laughs> And, like, they'll never say what it is, of course. Uh, they'll I say know. Bottery. Uh, bottery. Bottery. <laughs> but wait, bottery. Wow. I, I'm curious to hear, did you guys think it was intentional or not? Because I really have been going back and forth on it, and I watched it about a million times, and I just would like to hear your take. My my initial reaction was it was intentional in in a not so in, – in a not – predatory way right he wasn't trying to hurt him just nudge him show him like hey i'm here think about me you mm-hmm. know i i don't think it was aggressive in sort of some sort of way it was intentional that he skated into him like there's no doubt about that yeah that's that was my thought i just felt like he got so close that there was no way that he didn't mean to get that close um obviously i'm sure there was no actual malicious intent and it felt like at the end as close as he was to Heedle, it i saw like a slight body movement you know, that made it seem like he was trying to avoid the full contact. Um, but I just, you know, there was no way he was skating that close to him, you know, without any intent to, you know, make some sort of contact. Or I'm sure he didn't want to. Yeah, the only really two on that side of the ice. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. He, he got he just got way too close. But I watched it so many times and it was just like I, I kept going back and forth on it. I didn't know how I felt about it. 
Greg, I'm sure you got this one. Yeah, I I don't know. I guess like I've never I, I didn't consider it dirty. Yeah. Um but I, I also never for a second really considered it an accident either. <laughs> so I think I think it's we see stuff like that in other sports where like I would uh, um I would say like it's a pitcher throwing high and tight. He's not trying to hit you, but sometimes you're gonna hit him. Right. And and I don't think a pitcher is ever trying to hit a guy in the head necessarily. Mm-hmm. That but it's just a byproduct also, of the intention. Right, right. Like the intent was I want to send a message here and mm-hmm. I want him to know I'm here and know it's going to be a long day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then <laughs> Which it, it was. It, well, it actually turned <laughs> out to be a really short day. Which, <laughs> but but yeah, that that's where I'm at. Like you don't get into that position yeah. on accident. I so agree. It, there, there was intent, but I will stop well short of saying that it was dirty in any sense of the term. Right. Uh, I would agree. I, you just have to know when you go into that situation, if someone on my team did this and the player didn't get hurt, would I cheer? And the answer is yes. Like if, if Barclay Goodrow went up to another player and did that, hit the guy, and I'd be like, ooh, Barclay Goodrow, feisty tonight. Mm-hmm. Like really showing the other team what he's about. But since Heedle falls and obviously maybe hurts his head or his neck or whatever is happening, uh, we can all speculate as much as we want. It's a totally shitty situation. There's yeah. no there's no way around it. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. Very, very unfortunate. Uh they will miss Heedle greatly. I think Barkley Goodrow is a fine third line center. Uh, but I, I, I do feel a little bit for Vitaly Kraftsoff in this situation, who was probably just getting comfortable with Philip Heedle after one game. And then now has to learn. Uh, let's let's not beat around the bush here. Barkley Goodrow is not exactly an offensive dynamo, mm-hmm. so Kraftsoff is going to have to prove himself. He's clearly said everything right so far. What do you think about that fit? I I feel like it's still too small of a sample size of games, and I really you know I think that the Rangers want to give him a good long look, and I think he deserves a good long look, um, just because of his commitment that he showed to the team this past off season and this training camp like you know i think our temi panarin said it best to me he was like you know it's really hard to leave and do that and come back like if you really think about it he really like it was it was an unfortunate situation all around but he came back and he really did try to try to show his commitment and do all the right things and say all the right things and he has so for that reason i think that he you know, will continue to play and, and they, they have to, they don't really have a choice, especially with their injuries and their death situation and not being able to carry 23. Um, so I think that he just needs a little bit more time. I, you know, he, I really, it's hard to even comment on it because it just feels like he hasn't done anything or had an opportunity to do anything. Cause like you said, um, especially now he's not really going to be playing with anybody that can fuel his offensive game, which is his thing. It's that's his bread and butter is his, it's his high skill that he has offensively. So I just think it's a, a situation that's in progress and we will see how it plays out, but I don't want to make any grand declarations until we give him a solid sample size of games like Lundqvist. I think 25 games, we should be able to know what this kid is all about in the NHL. Well, speaking of giving people who deserve a long runway a long runway uh it we'd be remiss to have a umass alum like yourself <laughs> on here and not bring up zach jones who for the most part has been really good in his first couple games this season though yesterday he made a very obvious i'd say lack of judgment play mm-hmm. that led to the very first columbus goal yep. uh do we need to sit here and worry about his standing in the everyday lineup moving forward 
Um, it's it's also a really touchy situation because you can't really talk about Zach Jones without talking about Libor Hayek because the Rangers are in this weird spot where they they need to be fair to Libor Hayek too, which I'm very curious to see how this plays out because Hayek hasn't played the last couple games. Although it, I did get the impression today that he will play um, against the Avs on Tuesday because uh, that, yeah, Zach. The, <laughs> in your words, Ryan, the, the, the kayak, um, the kayak himself, like yeah. he paddles on. I don't know. It's like the Avalanche are coming to town. They're super yeah. good. It's like they're they're like, hmm, what do you have out down there? Let's see that that, that death chart. Libra Hayek. Oh, okay. I'll just shift Nathan McKinnon right in there. And it's yeah. like, that's gonna that, be the first goal. I, Call it now. I know. I am curious to see if they do that, um, or maybe they'll do it against the Islanders. Who knows? I I would expect Libor to get a, to get a game in the near future, especially um, after Zach Jones's rough outing. But my my question um, is the fact that. Judging by the power play units today, Kravtsov is on that unit, and Zach Jones is not. And that that it, like quarterbacking the power play is Zach Jones's thing. Like that's always been his bread and butter. You know, that's what he excels at. And back to my point that Vitaly hasn't really shown anything yet to deserve a spot on that power play. I just think logistically and logically speaking, Zach Jones should be the one that's get, that gets a longer look there and gets a shot. But that's also, you know, the fact that he didn't get any second power play work today makes me think that Libor Hayek is going to be in. It just, uh, it, it's so, it's, Galan is so close to cor- the correct answer on that second power play unit yeah. where it just, it doesn't have to be Truba. And that that's like it that's doesn't even thing. matter though, Greg. That unit sees yeah. twenty seconds. That, like that, that's that's the other argument, you that's, know. <laughs> that's the exact point where like the reason why Ryan and I don't go into deep diatribes about Truba or whoever playing on the second unit is because most of the time it does not matter. Yeah, it, However, it really if doesn't. You were, if you were to use a second unit, man, Jones makes a whole lot more sense than Truba mm-hmm. as that lone defenseman on that unit. Yeah, I would agree. That's probably like my biggest question. And, you know, maybe maybe there's a, a bigger reason that, that we don't know about um, that they're neglecting to share with us. And that's then that's fine. Um, but, I don't think it's that deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's, <laughs> that's true. Funny. It makes eight million dollars. He wears a C. Yeah. You, get, you get the you get the privilege of 20 seconds of PowerPoint, too. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, no, that that does make sense. It, it really does. But I, I mean, I think that I think Zach Jones earned his spot in this lineup out of training camp. I really think he did. Um, you know, it's just it's just a matter of if his defensive game can translate. And that's kind of always been the question. Because, um, I mean, he's made some really, really nice passes <laughs> out there too, I feel. Like leading passes. He knows how to spring players. Like that's like another that, – but that's who he is. He's, you know, it's kind of a, a niche – you know, kind of defenseman. He's an offensive defenseman, and but you know, you got to be able to do it on both sides of the puck at the NHL level. So well, I think that's the only question. But that's that's the other thing where like I have a lot more leeway with players who make mistakes born out of aggression. And mm-hmm. what Jones was trying to do was create offense um, for his team that was stuck in a zero-zero draw. It's just at some point you do have to realize the personnel that is out there with you, right. and he made an aggressive offensive move with the fourth line on the ice who had already been on the ice for about 45 to 50 seconds. And you're, you're just, you're asking too much one for that trio of players to be able to do the things offensively that Zach Jones wants them to do. And then two 
to be able to get back and cover for Zach Jones, who was making this play at all. So it's like, I don't want to ever, I, I would hope no one is discouraging Zach Jones from doing things like that because they will help the Rangers more often than hurt them. It's just the more he plays, I think the more he would realize that sometimes you need to rein it in a little bit when Reeves, Carpenter, and Blay are sucking wind you and know, struggling to stay on the ice. Absolutely. It was a young mistake. You know, he's he's a young defenseman and it was a young mistake, you know, and I definitely don't think, I mean, Gerard Gallant is players, player's coach. I, I definitely, you know, he's preached since the day he, he came to New York. He wants his players to play to their game and play to their strengths. So I definitely wouldn't think that anybody would be discouraging Zach not to, you know, make those aggressive offensive plays because that's his thing. But in the same breath, He's got to also, you know, watch it on the other side of the book. He's he's just got to be a little tighter and a little bit more conscientious in that regard. So, I think that I think that it's something that should evolve over time for him once he gets out of these rookie types of mistakes. Play to their strengths, unless their name is Artemi Panarin in the playoffs. No, are we going there? No, no, no. We're moving on. We're moving on. Uh, I was speaking of young defensemen. Uh, Someone that no one gets mentioned ever, and I don't know why, is Braden Schneider. Uh, yeah, that, I was. I knew as soon as you said that, I knew who you were going to say. It doesn't. No, we don't talk about him. Like yeah. we all, we all fawn over Keandre for yeah. good reason, the for style, very good reason. The style, the flash, yeah, the, the, everything that's going on. The fashion sense being number one. <laughs> yeah, number one, and then the on ice play number two. Yeah. Uh, Adam Fox, we don't need to talk about. Ryan Linger is always bleeding. I get mm-hmm. it. Troop is the captain. Mm-hmm. Zach Jones is trying out, and Braden mm-hmm. Schneider's in a sophomore slump mini sophomore slump right now where he's like still trying to figure it out but we treat him like a veteran it's very strange to me yeah you know i i do think that that's a really interesting point i think you know i don't know if i would jump as go as far to say slump um obviously he's had a couple of tough moments but you know that's that third bottom you know that's a bottom pair there you know that's kind of the rangers weak spot and it, it they can't seem to get you know they patrick nemeth didn't work out you know they just you know, they asked uh, Bartowski to come on on a tryout. Like none of these veteran guys are working out or showing anything more than what the kids have. So it's it's just kind of a weak point for them. But I think Schneider, I would I would say Schneider's been fine. You know, I think that's why it he hasn't gotten as much attention. Why no one's really talking about it because it's not necessarily awful, but it's not great or noteworthy at all so it's kind of just getting lost in translation i think and nobody's really thinking about Which it is, but <laughs> it's crazy. he's a 20 year old defenseman yeah. on many other teams you'd be like this is the future of the team we'd yeah. be we'd be talking about him like he's capo caco two years ago yeah. when Pablo couldn't do anything but ryan on any other team he's not your bottom pairing right-handed defenseman because mm-hmm. you don't have two extremely well-talented better right-handed defensemen above him and it's even rarer that you have two really young defensemen that are playing better than him that want you want to talk about more. To right any, if anything, to me, not noticing Braden Schneider, that's the highest form of compliment. Yeah, so how, I, I agree. Yeah, like how long have Ranger fans not wanted their bottom pair to be a disaster? And now the bottom pair is just like, hey, it's there, it does things, it's nice. We've been dying for that for years. Right. And I think, to me, Braden Schneider not... I, I mean, would I love it if he was doing so many things that... He's forcing you to notice it because he's playing so well. Absolutely. No one's going to be here crazy and say otherwise. But I am so happy that for the first time, as long as I can remember, the Rangers have a reliable, dependable, 
bottom pairing defenseman that I don't need to worry about on a nightly basis. Right. I would agree with that statement. And I get the sense from the Rangers, especially when he was first called up last season, you know, that they, you know, the Rangers and the fan base in general, you know, they do this thing when they've got these young, promising, talented players, you know, it's a lot of pressure, you know, just everything from how they market the players to everything. And Schneider has kind of been at the bottom of that. Like he's not really, you know, he's not necessarily a guy that they show, you know, on the, in the, you know, hype videos that they, that they put out there and things like that. And I almost think it's a little intentional because, you know, we've seen time and time again, especially with (laughs) with the Rangers, young talented players getting overwhelmed and then just falling flat on their faces. Like literally speaking (laughs) in Leos Anderson's case. Um, But it's, it's just, I think it, I think it's intentional. I I really do. And I I think it's probably for the best uh, as well, you know, to let a guy just develop without so much spotlight. Molly, let's let's go one step further here and and talk about players that are jumping off the page. Um, have the last two games and the negativity that has for worse surrounded them kind of started to block out the sun a little bit for how well specifically Capocacco and Alexi Lafreniere are playing to start this year. I I don't think so. As speaking as someone that's written just a lot of words about them already through the first six games, I think that. It's it's really great, not just for them, but for the Rangers. I mean, this was these are two guys that just last season we were asking Gerard Gallant if he thought that they could be top six players eventually. We didn't necessarily know if it was going to happen right away or in a year down the line or so, but it was something that the Rangers as an organization were hoping was going to happen at some point, no matter what, just because of who they are, where they were drafted. Um, so the fact that it's been able to come to fruition um, to start the season here is is major, m- major, 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 the, major <laughs> is major for the organization, I think, um, especially I mean, I love Lafreniere on that second line. I, I really do. I think it's I think it's good. I really do. Well, let's talk about Trocek because mm-hmm. uh, he got a case of the hit the bar. On, against against CBJ, but he's had a lot of good opportunity, which is uh, showing great signs. And he's been a tremendous addition in replacing Ryan Strom so far. Uh, as the team, Ryan Strom obviously came to town. Mm-hmm. They, did, they, did they talk about Ryan Strom at all? I'm sure they went to dinner. Uh, <laughs> and how has Trocek fit in so far, whether it's come to the locker room or how do you see on that second line as well with Artem Panarin? In the locker room, it, it seems like he's, you know, one of the boys, like anything that you would imagine um nothing out of the ordinary there he seems to get along with everybody really well um and then on the ice i i think so too i think you know he told me the other day that he he thought that he was starting to get used to playing with panarin um he kind of knows what he has to do next to a guy like that and it's kind of starting to slow down a little bit for him which i think we've noticed i think he's on a four game point streak right now of some sorts or assist Panarin on that, or or, no or go or going into the Columbus game, he was on a four game point streak. That's probably um, true. Yeah, so I think that I think that it's only going to get better with more reps next to Panarin as they as they get some more chemistry together. And Lafreniere too. Uh, he was actually Trocek was telling me that he 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 describes Lafreniere's game 
as old school, which I thought was pretty interesting um, because as skilled as Lafreniere is, he still has a little bit of grinder in him too, which is the style that Trocek feels like he plays. So he really enjoys playing next to Lafreniere because he feels like he's not the only one grinding on that line. Um, so I think it's I think it's a good fit. I really do like that second line a lot. Is there a specific area you feel needs tweaking, Molly? Like, obviously, things haven't worked out the last two games, but I I think most people have been pretty, I would say, complacent with how things are be are, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But is there an area that you look at and you go, you know, I could, we could do a so, little something there. Maybe that'll help things up. I actually wrote about it today, so you're giving me me an option to plug my stuff. Thank you, Greg. I am really Um, good at this. I really am. (laughs) But, I mean, Galad said it after the Columbus game. He said, I want the team to play faster. You know, when the team is playing fast, it ups the body contact, it ups the physicality, ups the forecheck. Everything that makes them a strong offensive team just is comes through a lot easier when they're playing a fast game because they, when they're playing fast, they can be very overwhelming in all three zones. Like it's it, and that lightning game, the f- season opener, they all just keep referencing it. Like that was the complete sixty-minute effort. That was the way that they can play and that they can dominate teams no matter who it is on the other end of the ice. So I think that they want to get back to how they were playing in that lightning game. And I think a big part of it is playing fast again. Goudreau said to me today that he thinks that when they're playing that East-West kind of style, you know, their 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 skills almost get lost in translation. Like they're not able to set up the way that they want to. And then once they have the possession, they can't use their skill if they don't have the possession, you know. So I think that that's probably the biggest thing is just getting back to playing that fast kind of game that overwhelms a lot of opponents. I think my concern level with Igor Shosturkin is still negative. (laughs) No, it's non-existent. (laughs) It's non-existent. Uh, Yeah. Okay, good. Next question. Um, (laughs) I don't have anything to go further with that. I've just seen people like, is something wrong with Chesty? And the answer is no. No. Every single goal that's been let in has been an extremely high danger chance or a freak accident. Mm-hmm. We're good. Yeah. He's, he's insane. I, he's I would crazy agree. good. I know. <laughs> uh, he's he's honestly, in my opinion, reached a level that truly has only been reached by guys like Jacob deGrom, where if deGrom picked up <laughs> two runs in six innings, you're like, wow, he kind of sucked today, didn't he? And it's like he's just doing something a other really good pitcher would do. It's just he usually does better than that, so people freak out. <laughs> Great comparison, Greg. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Listen, I can now talk about this stuff again. My yeah, period's over. You're, you're emotionally over it. I'm, we, I'm uh, good, I'm good. We actually took a, we never actually took a week off from mentioning the Mets on the podcast. Just <laughs> <to go. laughs> Why would you? Why would you ever? Well, it's, brand, a, it's a Mets podcast. Why would we stop talking about Mets, the Mets? Mets, horse racing? Mets. <laughs> I, uh, I did have one thing I wanted to mention to you about because yeah. I, I noticed that it was something every beat writer tweeted and i'm curious on your take on it and it was when the rangers put the david quinn photo up that he got booed now Mm. i'm not i'm not saying i would have booed him i want to be clear about that i'm going to be intentionally you want to get that on the record well i I, i'll make my opinions clear don't worry okay okay I, i was i personally and i think a lot of other fans were caught off guard that it surprised the beat as much as it did so i i'm curious to hear why it caught you off guard it just because in reality, what did this guy do that hurt you so bad? Like, and don't come at me with, you know, not playing the kids, you know, I, like 
he ruined Capo Caco. Like, what do you? Well, what do you want me to say? Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> don't, don't though, because it's not, it's not true. I, I'm sorry, it, it's not true. I really don't think that Capo Caco is playing on the first line with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider, and he's never looked like he belongs anywhere more. How do you think he got to this point? You know, not everybody sees everything behind closed doors, but David Quinn came in and did what David Quinn was brought in to do. David Quinn is a development coach. That is his thing. He came from his college roots. He's always going to have those college roots in him, but that's what he is. You know, there's and there's no question that he can probably evolve as a coach, you know, as players do. He can grow out of that with more reps in the NHL, but he was supposed to come in. The Rangers were the youngest or the second youngest team in the league when he took them over, and he was supposed to usher in the new generation of Rangers players. And that is what he did. They were, they weren't horrible. You know, it was a, he was doing with what he had, you know, with, with the tools that he had, he had a lot of developing players. He made the decisions that he thought he needed to make to usher them along. And in the end, you know, he said it on his zoom call in his last season, they were two points out of a playoff, uh, out of a playoff spot. They were in it at the end. And it almost felt like the rebuild was a little bit, you know, on a bit of a fast track. And here we are, uh, fresh off of a Eastern Conference final run. He was right. You know, he said that they had a had an idea when he first took over that it was going to be kind of like a four-year, five-year plan, that in year four, they were really going to be able to make some noise. And lo and behold. So everything went according to plan, guys. <laughs> like, well, either... I'll, I'll say that I, I agree. I, I, David, and again, like, as we, we even just said... Just real quick, Greg, before you go on, we were notably destroyed all the time for being, quote-unquote, David Quinn defenders. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, uh, and, uh, on more on the record. And, and we have, like, more times than not, like, David Quinn found the secret sauce with his top power play unit mm-hmm. that all of us fawn over now. This was mm-hmm. a Quinn creation. I, mm-hmm. But I, I guess my, my point on... The being surprised part is just like I can name off the top of my head between the four major sports. I could probably name four former managers or coaches that could come back to the place of former employment and not be booed. In New York. In New York. Mm -hmm. Van Gundy won't be booed by Nick fans ever. Never. (laughs) That man has a perfect Q rating always. Uh, I don't think Yankee fans would boo Joe Torre. And I don't think Met fans would boo... Terry Collins or Bobby Valentine. Mm-hmm. Outside of those four guys, maybe Bill Parcells also doesn't get booed by Giant fans. Oh, any Giant Giant coach outside of Tom Coughlin gets destroyed. Yeah, I <laughs> destroyed. even think I even think Coughlin. Like, I don't I don't think he gets booed, but I think it's it's pretty tepid. I just to me when I look at David Quinn, can I blame him for anything? Do I think he held the Rangers back? Not necessarily, but do I think like? Do I think Luis Rojas couldn't have won 100 games with the Mets this year? Right. No, but I know for sure he would have gotten booed the yeah. fuck out if he came back <laughs> as, like, manager of another team. So I I guess I, needless to say, was just caught off guard that it was surprising that this city of fans would, like, you would be surprised right. they booed a guy who, even if he didn't fail as a coach— if you don't exceed expectations, you're getting booed. Right. Let me rephrase what Greg said. Why do you expect no, better of us? I did. No, no I took, you know, honestly, and all, all honestly, I, I never even looked at it in that way. And like, yeah, no doubt. New York is, you know, the We're toughest, tough. the toughest critics there are, you know, and that's the best part about New York. I totally think so. I just, I, I, so I, I get, I get that. I get 
I get that point. I really do. And I think that it definitely has a leg to stand on for sure because you said absolutely nothing that's false about New York and, and its fans and, and the way that they operate. So I do see that. I just Again, Quinn Defenders, <laughs> both of us. Yeah, like, it happened. I, I guess I just maybe <laughs> Maybe it was because of how uncomfortable we all were in that moment. I think that maybe played a part into it because, I mean, David Quinn was a pleasure to work with for all of his time in New York. He was win, lose, amazing win, horrific loss. It didn't matter. He was always a, an approachable, you know, welcoming kind of person and he's a really likable guy just as a human being so i think that all of us in the press box having worked with him and and you know just you know we've also all written a lot of words about his departure from new york and you know and in, in interviews and listening to what he's had to say about his time in new york and stuff it just all it, it rubbed me the wrong way only speaking for me it just rubbed me the wrong way because i, I totally just, get it yeah like i think the, he was nice to you, yeah, you worked with him tolly yeah, and all that stuff yeah, yeah that's all I exactly i would boo greg no matter what he was <laughs> i boo i boo ryan every day like, either either on audio form that's being recorded or just in our group chats Ryan will say something. The only person I booed more <laughs> than you'll Ryan. Just annihilate him. The only person I booed more than Ryan this week is Bob Melvin because that man <laughs> offended my core. Don't know you bunt. Don't know you bunt. I get that, Molly. I totally understand it. Uh, good luck, David Quinn, when you get Bedard next year. Um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. Vancouver's making a hard run. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> uh, final question. Yeah. Uh, how good is our Sammy Panarin? Uh. Just, I'm so happy that you brought him up just because I don't even want to talk about just how great he's been on the ice because, I mean, that's just in itself. But how great it is to just casually talk with him in the locker room, honestly. He he speaks English? Yeah, right? I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. kidding. (laughs) No, he's just a pleasure to deal with. He really is. He's been available. He's around. He's, you know, always good for, like, basically, like, four days into training camp, I went up to him and I was like, you know, we haven't even talked hockey yet. (laughs) Like, we haven't even spoken a word about play on the ice. We've just been, like, talking about his summer and what he did. You know, he's asking me about what I did, like, just, you know, a really great guy, but no doubt off to the strongest start of his career. And he's point per game kind of player. Like, that's just who he is. And I wrote about it in the beginning of the season in the preview. You know, the Rangers don't get to the playoffs with it without Artemi Panarin playing the way Artemi Panarin needs to play. You know, they just don't. He just needs to have a hand in as much of the offense as he possibly can. And he does. He's At least he's been doing that so far. So all signs point to good things for Artemi Panarin so far. He's, he's incredible. It makes it look effortless. Uh, you uh, look up, you're like, four points? Yeah. No, actually, he was just oh. racking them up. And through those first couple wins, I mean, it was just nonstop. And it's just how fun it is to watch un- unfold on the ice, really. So what you're saying, Molly, is there is benefit to doing stupid shit at the blue line. Yes, there always is. <laughs> yes, 110%. The stupid shit at the blue line stays. <laughs> you know, what? I'm actually going to bring this up in the open, too. But I want to... Well, Actual last question. Mm-hmm. One thing I've noticed about this team is they, I don't want to say they think they're better than other teams. Mm-hmm. Like it also seems just like they want to sim to the playoffs, AKA they're ready for it to be over. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that attitude kind of came through 
in training camp and the preseason because it, it did. Was, it was just so apparent how much they didn't give a shit about those games. You know, like it was just so apparent, especially from what we saw in that season oper- opener against the Lightning. Like that was the Rangers. That was the new. That was the 2022-23 They're going to turn York it up on Rangers. Tuesday. Yeah. They're going to turn it up. <laughs> the team's going to come out. And you're like, I don't Who's know. This team? They just got to stop the spiral right now. That's that's the that's the problem. They just got to stop it from spiraling right now. But I mean, it, I totally. Totally agree with that with that observation. I really do think that they were just ready for game one of eighty two. They weren't thinking about anything else. And it's it's because they know what they're capable now. You know, now it's not a, about, you know, just getting there. It's about proving that last season wasn't a fluke. It's about proving that that playoff run was no joke and that they can do it again. So I think that the motivation comes from a different place in that aspect, you know, and right now, you know, the storyline coming into the season was how they were going to manage expectations. And that's still going to be the overarching storyline of this entire season. But I mean, through the first few games, for the most part, you know, even if they are having loose de- defense or whatever, they're lighting goalies up. Which, by the way, did anybody notice that it was literally three of the past Vesna Trophy winners in that for like the three of the first four games? I mean, like, and they were great against them. So it's it's uh, it's, it's good shocking stuff. how good the offense looks. It's yeah, very strange to outshoot your opponent. Yeah, right. I don't know what that feels like. A, a foreign concept. <laughs> Really, Molly, my uh, my final question. Then we'll let you get out of here because we yeah. got a busy life that you actually have to live. <laughs> uh, what exactly has to happen in these next couple games this week for you to take a step back and go, "Oh, wait, no, maybe it's not working." Oh, oh, that went a complete different direction than I thought it was dark, going. Dark to. Gregory. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, no. like, wait, I. <laughs> that was such a curveball. I fully was prepared for you to be like to go for things to go right and get back on track no nope, <laughs> nope. listen listen i i understand i'm in a better place mentally but it's still going to be a couple months until i'm happy go lucky wait i'm again. absolutely stunned i need a second um <laughs> what for things to go wrong and to be absolutely concerned well Kamakar scores three goals in 20 yeah, minutes like I, I mean that's an easier bet than anything but i know shut up i i, th- <laughs> I think that honestly if we're gonna go down that road greg worst case scenario right now is another injury i mean they are to the forward group they are one injury away from having to go back to carrying 23 and dipping into hartford um and that's not good for their cap situation you know if we're getting really serious here um but so no injuries or if an injury were to happen i guess i should phrase it um and probably if they just keep playing this kind of slow game that that we've seen the last two games i mean gallant said it best like the Rangers look like they were the team on the second night of a back-to-back, not Columbus. Um, and that's saying a lot, especially when you compare the rosters in general. So um, I think that they're going to have to get back to their fast game and everybody just stay healthy, please. Please, <laughs> please. You can follow Molly Walker at the New York Post. You can read her there. You can also uh, re- listen to her podcast, I guess, <laughs> if you'd like um, to do that as well. And uh, Molly, we always appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right. It's the end of the show. I want to thank Molly for joining us today. She's done an amazing job covering the Rangers in her first couple of years here. So much fun to have as a guest every single time. A lot of laughs, a lot of fun. Uh, without further ado, this is the part of the show where I thank the Patreon Offer Sheet Club, where I think people are number one supporters of this show and our other Patreon members as well. But I'm going to mispronounce names now for over a minute. 
And uh, that's how I do this. So Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Cortula, Adam Keach, Adam Fl- Alex Flynn, Alex Gardner, Anthony Terragata, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bill Rattel, Brandon Lacos, Brandon Magnum. Brandon Magnum, are you new? Welcome, Brandon Magnum. Brett, Brett Granger, uh, Brett McGinnis, Brett, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Chris Finelli, Chris Haru, CJ Selwagon, Chris Conrad P. Damage, I'm losing it, Daniel Dezen. David Aaron and Dave Siegel, Dennis Dice, Darian, D- Eric Stagg, Garrett Reynas, Give Gardner a cup, Garrett Gertz McFly. I was, that wasn't even English. Harrison Jasko, <laughs> 89. Ahala Sauce, Ian Rodriguez, Jake B, James Masker, Jamie Filippone, Jerry Masquez, JD, J- John J- Jacques Franquez, Jacques Jean. <laughs> Jimmy Mack. <laughs> okay, I'm going to gain composure. Jimmy Mack, John Hardesty. Uh, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Keshtabov, Josh Freeman, Christopher Florida, Christoph Berg, going to the next page, Lazek Kronowski, I've done it again, Lou, Lou Giordano, Matthew Kahn, Meatball the Cat, Mike Bucklaw, Neil Grover, Nicholas Di Nicola, Pascal Perrier, Pavel Kodrev, Pro World of Tanks Gamer, Randy Tesser, Stigbo Box, Weingart, Thomas Welsh, Tommy Sinclair, Thomas Jr., Tommy O'Neill, Torrey from Manhattan, Upstate, Vin, Vinny Hay, Will Spector, and Winston, the Golden Retriever, that is right. Thank you so much for another week of the episode of listening to this silly show about the New York Rangers. I fully expect this team to have a bounce back week. I expect two wins of four. I think that's bounce back. I think you win one of each of the back to back. I think you can win both in the weekend. Uh, one win is a disaster. Well, zero wins is a disaster. One win is a serious disappointment. Two wins is kind of expected. Three wins is good. Four wins is, oh my God, we're back. We're going to win the Stanley Cup. So stay tuned. Let's see how this team goes. Uh, and let's go Rangers. See you guys next week, or if you're a Patreon subscriber, we'll see you on BSB OT. Uh, I think we're doing post game on Wednesday night versus the Islanders. Very fun. Also, uh, I forgot to mention this. We should mention it on the beginning of the show. I didn't. Playback Tuesday night versus the Avalanche. We're doing it again. Live stream watching. Come hang out with us. See you there. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.